Our scripture reading this morning, you'll notice if you're attentive, is exactly the same as it was last Sunday morning. You will see why as we get into the message. John 1, verses 1 and 14. This is God's holy and infallible word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. That is God's word for us this morning, congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. God inspired all of Scripture, of course, but there were also human writers. And when we think about those human writers, the New Testament writers, we might say, what, what sort of guys were they? Were they theologians? Were they pastors? You know, with the gospel writers, were they biographers? Well, they could have been all of those, but if you think about it, in a lot of ways, you could make the argument that they were, first of all, missionaries. And while the New Testament was meant to build up the church back then and build us up now, the New Testament was especially designed to get the word out about Jesus, right? With tragedies like on Friday, we're reminded of the darkness in our world and in our culture. The writers of the New Testament were very aware of that too, and they wrote what they did to share in a winning way the good news of Jesus to a world that needs him so much. If you remember from a couple weeks ago, John's purpose from John 20 verse 31 was these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So there's a very evangelistic purpose to John. And he tells us that in a world of death, Jesus brings life. With all that in mind, we're going to give a third answer this morning to the question we've been asking, who is the Christ of Christmas according to John 1? We're going to see that he is the Word. We saw how the Word, Jesus, is God, and how he is the Word become flesh, he's man, but up until now, we've kind of hopped over that word, Word, capital W. Christ as the Word. Why Word? Do you think about that the last couple of weeks when we were talking about the Word become flesh? Why does John use that word? What does it get at? Word actually fits in very, very well with the missionary purpose of John. It conveys meaning that people of all different types would get. A word reveals something. A word is a revelation of something. And we're going to see the word's revelation has three amazing dimensions this morning. Three dimensions. The word reveals God's explosive power, first of all. How does Christ as word do that? Well, one of the first audiences of the writings of the New Testament were Jewish people. 
And the Jewish people had a very interesting take on the idea of a word. For them, it was really clear that a word wasn't just a sound in the air. It was like a unit of energy and a unit of power. A word said things, but a word also did things. And if you think about it, a great speaker can move people to laughter, to crying, to tears, to action. So words aren't just sound waves in the air. Words aren't just things in our minds. Words have impact. And the Jewish people got this from the Old Testament. At creation, God spoke and stuff happened. Creation exploded forth in all its glory by God's word. Jeremiah says the word of the Lord is like a hammer that breaks rocks in pieces. There again, explosive power. And Isaiah says that God's word does not return to him void. In other words, the word does what it's supposed to do. So the word is about action. Christ as the word reveals the explosive power of God. The word created, we read. The word became flesh. The word Jesus entered into the world. Stuff happened. Secondly, the word reveals God's irrefutable logic. The Greek word for word is here in John because the New Testament is written in Greek. We get our word logic from it. The word is logos. After Jesus' resurrection, the gospel quickly spread and went out to the Greek-speaking world. What did the idea of the logos mean to the Greek mind? Well, the philosopher Heraclitus, who lived about six centuries before Christ, was one of the very first Greeks to use the word logos and to use it as a philosophical term. Heraclitus is famous for saying that the world is in a constant state of flux and change. That's what he observed. He said, everything is changing. Nothing is ever the same. And he used the illustration of a river. He said, no one can step in the same river twice because it's constantly flowing. And that's an illustration for Heraclitus of all of life. It's constantly changing. And yet, he noticed, the universe is dependable. The same causes cause the same effects. The same actions regularly cause the same reactions. Seasons follow one another in a predictable way. And he thought something or someone must create that order in the midst of this constant change that is in life. And he named that the Logos, a mind that he imagined oversees everything. And then Greek thinkers after Heraclitus really focused on this idea of the Logos, this supreme mind reason, ordering the universe. They tried to figure out who or what it was. John is saying, listen, you Greeks, this big idea 
that has occupied your philosophical thought more than anything, this mystery that you've been wondering about for centuries, the Logos of God has come. And he is Jesus Christ. And he reveals to us God's irrefutable logic, God's reason. Philosophy, you know, obsesses with thinking and logic and order and the mind and reason. Some of you find that fascinating. Maybe a very few people of you find that fascinating. Others of you, it bores to death. But a good deal of philosophy, thinking about this stuff, since the 1700s, has led to what we call rationalism. Rationalists make man's reason and thinking supreme in life. Our thinking is the end-all, be-all. Rene Descartes led the way on this idea with his famous saying, I think, therefore I am. Thinking and reason, he said, are what make us what we are. Maybe you heard the joke about Descartes going into a pub once and the bartender asked if he wanted another drink and he thought about it for a while and said, I think not. And poof, Descartes was gone. People continue to think reason is the answer. If we just put our heads together, we can figure out this gay marriage thing in our society. We can figure out how to get the poor back on their feet. We can figure out how to raise our kids right. We can figure out how to prevent tragedies like mass murders. But as much as people think, and that is the prevailing thought out there, as much as people think reason is the answer, it is not enough to provide all the answers. AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, a lot of amazing insights from that organization. AA talks about the fact that even in our best moments, we have stinking thinking. Have you heard that before from AA? And they are right. We cannot think ourselves better. You think of the prison system. I was talking with my dad this past week, talking about this sermon. He said one illustration, but it might be this. You know, the whole idea of our prison system, it's set up, you lock someone up for a long time, maybe even years and years. The idea is that with lots of time to think about it, think about how bad they've been, that they will get better. But they won't. That's not what happens. Because thinking alone doesn't do it. And human reason will not find a solution to mass killings either. We need something beyond our logic. We need the Logos of God. Because without him, human reason is stuck in its own loop of stinking thinking and will never find ultimate solutions. Jesus breaks into that loop, into our human system, and brings what Romans 12.2 calls a renewing of our mind. That renewing can only happen with Jesus. With human reason alone, we're going to keep making the same mistakes. Our society will go down the toilet. We'll keep missing the real truth. But John is saying the Logos has broken in. He has come. The solution is here. And then instead of human logic, we turn to biblical logic. 
The Bible's logic, not human reason alone, will show us and lead the way in how to raise a family, how to keep a marriage alive, how to build a just society, how to love one another. It will show people what the purpose and goal and beginning and end and meaning of life is. Then we have access not just to human logic, but we have access to the logic of eternity. We've been talking about the word was in the beginning, in eternity. We have access to that same mind that created us and the universe And he enters our thinking and lives. He broke into our lives as we were spinning our wheels. He broke into our lives in our propensity toward evil and darkness and sin and destroying ourselves. The Christ of Christmas illumines our minds, renews us. With him, we will start getting somewhere. And then even in the midst of the confusion of life, things will start to make sense with the Logos who reveals a sovereign God in charge of it all and a loving God. And that brings us to our last thought this morning. The Word also finally reveals God's transformational love. A word has to do with communication or a connection. A word gets what's in our minds out of our minds. It communicates. In this case, right, it's God communicating. God reaching out. God speaking through his word, through Jesus, his ultimate revelation. That includes the Bible because all of scripture points to Christ. So if that's what's going on, what does the word Christ and the Bible communicate. More than anything else, the Bible communicates that we are lost, but we can be saved by believing in Jesus. It communicates the love of God for people like you and like me. John, who is telling us who the Christ of Christmas is, God, man, the Word, He gives us the heart of God's word, the heart of the Bible. Just two chapters later when he says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That is the great hope of the world. That's the hope that Advent, Christ's coming, brings. There was once a young man who I was in a conversation with about a month ago who was talking about how once he was trying to share his faith with someone who didn't believe and trying to explain that, Jesus and and heaven and all the rest. The gentleman he was talking to at one point said, a little aggressively said, are you telling me I'm going to hell? And the young man, I thought, had a great response. He said, no, I'm telling you, you don't have to. I thought that was just wonderful. And that ultimately, that's what the Word reveals. The Word says, because of the love of God in sending me, Jesus, you don't have to perish or keep stumbling in the darkness. Believe in me and be saved. 
The love of God transforms hearts and lives. It's the only thing that will really, truly change people for the better. The transformational love of God in Jesus. Who is the Christ of Christmas? He's the Word, says John 1 very clearly. The Word reveals God's explosive power. The Word reveals God's irrefutable logic. The Word reveals God's transformational love. Those three aspects of the Word, if you think about it, tell us that He came to fulfill all our deepest needs. Those three dimensions cover the three big dimensions of the human life and of a balanced and healthy human life and living. The head, the heart, the hands, our thinking, our heart, our emotions, and what we do. The Word reveals the love of God, a love that we need, a love that others need. And as a church, we say we express God's love. The Word reveals the power of God to act in human history in our lives, and we in turn are people of action, making a difference in this world. We are equipped to serve. The Word reveals the truth of God, the biblical reason we need, which we in turn share with the mixed-up world desperately in need of biblical truth and a true and real path and direction life. We experience God's Word together, and we invite others to. The Word, the Christ of Christmas, fulfills the deepest needs of people everywhere. May God call us to a deeper commitment to build His church, even right here at Faith, for His glory, so we could spread the Word, so people could be saved from the dark in Him. And may Christ, the Word, renew your mind, increase your love, make you eager to serve Him today. Amen.